0: Welcome to the 77th episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz, and I am your lovely, lovely, lovely host. And joining with me, as always, is my good friend, my partner in crime, Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, my man, who also, ladies and gentlemen, got his hands on a PS5, so that's coming his way. How you doing, my man?
1: man i am doing great thanks god it's friday of course we're recording on september 18th friday um yeah i was very lucky to order ps5 quick story uh me and my friend jason like the first night ps5s went on sale they went on sale without telling anyone so i'm literally sitting on a computer because that's what i do for my job the they go on sale and sell out i never get an email because i signed up for the email on sony signed up for the email on Amazon, right? Amazon's, to me,'s release was a crap show uh, (laughs) because you never got the email saying that they went on sale. They were literally sold out before you could even know that it was happening, right? Walmart, Best Buy. I'm an Amazon person. I got my PS4 seven years ago in November from Amazon, just showed up in my house the first day. It was amazing. So I was like, dude, I'm just going to stick with Amazon for PS5. Again, crap show. Nothing went right for them. I you know, I feel like uh you know, a link got out that wasn't supposed to get out. So, it, it might not have been their fault, but it was very annoying. And so I went to that page. It was 278 comments on a system or 278 reviews on a system that hadn't come out, all bitching about the release. It was hilarious. <laughs> It's hilarious I was I'm up. I'm, I'm not happy about how Amazon handled it but with me I'm like let's be real I'm not a gamer I play games I always tell people that I'm not a gamer I play games as in I don't care about graphics refresh rate blah 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 if it looks pretty I'm playing the game it's cool uh, so I don't care about that I just like the games that I like to play I play Madden I play Warframe if you you and Sid are playing like some friend style game or something, I'll download it and play that too. That's but pretty much my temples are Madden and Warframe. Madden is Madden. It's gonna be Madden. It's always gonna be Madden forever. And this year if you bought Madden with PS4, you got it free on PS5. Warframe's a free to download game. You know, it's a kind of pay to be elite kind of game. So I don't like I wasn't it wasn't like weighing decisions. I'm a PS guy, so there you go. We're on Walmart yeah. last night because they actually gave us notice that they were going on sale at 8. And we're on the phone. We're both trying to click through. And uh, he gets through and he gets in his cart. I don't know why I didn't. So I'm just refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Because uh, I was trying to get the digital version. I went over to the hardware version, start refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. His cart expires. They then allow me to enter in, in a cart, and <laughs> then I purchase. I don't know if, I'm not saying it was his, but based on how it went with him saying, oh, it's no longer in your cart, and then it being in my cart in like the next few seconds, it was crazy. I didn't even tell him it was in my cart because he had just had so many problems purchasing it. I didn't know if my purchase was going to go through so, I went, I just went through, put my card information, and pressed purchase, and then he gave me a tracking number and order number, and I was like, I got it. And he was like, you what? I was like, I got it. It went through. I didn't say anything because I saw how much problem you was having. So, I didn't think, I thought it was paper. I thought it, I thought it was just imaginary, ones and zeros. It wasn't there for <laughs> real, but it was there, and I got my PS5. Very lucky, uh, very lucky. I, I wish you all the best. I'm getting your PS5, but my I don't think my stress level is that high because I'm at a point in my life where I stress out more about AEW Dynamite tickets than I would (laughs) about this, or AEW tickets, more about that. Like, if I don't get an AEW ticket, I'm in a bad mood for the next week.
0: Well, duh. Yeah, that's, it was just, like, that's just even.
1: Yeah, it was like, PS5, I would have been like, oh, they'll eventually put some more out and I'll buy it. You know, that kind exactly. of thing. So you, there's no there's no finality on the video game system. It's like, this is not all the PS5s they're going to ever sell. Yeah. Exactly. You know? So just, ah, that means I just don't get it day one. But, uh, yeah, I liked having a day one because I, I, to show how old I was, uh, PS2, I spent the night at a Best Buy. All night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It rained at 3 o'clock in the morning, spent the night at Best Buy, was in line, didn't even have the money. My mom literally had to come up to Best Buy when the thing went on sale with her credit card and buy it. So that was PS2, PS3. Uh, PS3 uh, was a little easier, I think I, 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 I pre-purchased it with uh, GameStop. Uh, And then PS4, again, it got shipped directly on Amazon, which was funny because PS4, as far as pre-ordering, was way easier than this shit. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was just because it was 2013 and not everybody was on Amazon yet, but it was just like, oh, okay. Oh, we're accepting pre-orders, press the button, it went through. No, like lines or a million people trying to get it It and then it just came i didn't even think about it it was just that much of a non-story so
0: gotcha yeah but but i will say uh don't think we forget about you xbox players too like good luck on getting your xbox series x or series s whatever one you prefer um i just got i actually just got um super mario all-stars 3d like the 3d all-stars Um, on Switch. I just got it delivered. I got a physical copy of it. I'm very happy. I'm gonna play the hell out of it. I also got my cousin's original copy of Sunshine on the GameCube, so I was playing it on the GameCube while I was getting ready to get it on the Switch, so I'm very happy to have that. And I also have my new PC, which is fucking awesome, and I love it, and it plays games so well, and it runs super fast, and I can do editing and stuff for work like no problem, so It's, it's been a good week for me.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's been a good week. Uh, it's a good time for video games in general. This is the next generation console, so this is all amazing. I'm looking forward to playing it. I haven't played an Xbox since.
0: Xbox 360 was was freaking awesome. The one is eh, It's eh. honestly. As uh, someone who owns it, it's eh.
1: I only had the Xbox. I bought the Xbox like two weeks after it came out. I played it for three days and then sold it to someone oh jesus okay thing with me and sony it's the controller it's the controller
0: they haven't changed it at all i mean it, i'll be interested to think of what hear what you think of the new one since it's actually the most different out of the entire yeah. dualshock franchise
1: yeah and that's what's crazy it's like it just feels like a third like a hand you know what i mean it's like you give me that controller i've been doing the same thing since 1995 96? 95 is when it came out, I believe. I believe so. Uh, So I've been doing the same thing since 95, 96. You can give me any game and just like triangle, circle, you know, X square. I won't even think about it. I can immediately get into the game because that controller in me are one. So.
0: There you go. I personally prefer the Xbox controllers uh, because I don't know, they just they feel really nice. I use them for like if I plug a controller into my computer now because they just they just feel really nice. I used and the
1: original Xbox one and it was too bulky for me.
0: That yeah, well the original Xbox controller was not great. Yeah, and
1: that, that's why I haven't played since that one. Like
0: I don't I haven't picked up an Xbox controller since Xbox. Yeah, 360 and one were better controllers by far. But anyway, off the topic of gaming, this is a podcast about all things Elite. It's AEW. So we got a lot of things to talk about with Dynamite. We also had Late Night Dynamite, which took place after the NBA playoffs. And then we have a preview for next week's Dynamite and some big news as well. But before we get into everything for the show, we want to make sure that you're downloading the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. So please leave a rating and review if you are so inclined to. You can also leave a donation to our podcast provider, Red Circle. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, anything you're listening to on podca- podcasts, we would really appreciate a share. Please share us around to everybody who cares about wrestling or AEW or both. And please support us by following us on social media at Pod. At social suplex, at S Zoomer Four, and at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, the big news of the week, which is going to be talked about as well in our Dynamite review, is the fact that the one and only man, Will Hobbs, pow- Oh my God, fucking Will Hobbs is signed with AEW. I like when I saw him show up and defend John Moxley against uh, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. I popped. So hard, cause I was like, this dude's a killer.
1: Yeah, uh, he runs on pure willpower. Uh, he moves from Oakland to Florida with no guarantee of a contract. Uh, worked, uh, worked, uh, worked out. You know, uh, worked out. Um, did dark. Lost a lot of matches. Uh, lost a lot of tag team matches. Apparently, hard work paid off. And, you know, and looking like he does as far as the physically imposing man that he is, uh, doesn't hurt. Um, you know, AEW had a big man problem when they originally started. I think Billy Gunn and Luchasaurus were the two largest men in, uh, wrestling. Jim Ross said he was going to resolve that issue. Uh, oh, for, so Jake Hager that appears on Dynamite, and then ever since then, it's been big guy after big guy, Brody Lee, Brian Cage, uh, of course, Lance Archer, uh, now Will Hobbs, they no longer have a big guy problem. I mean, no. e- even if you think about it, Mox is, if you look at the rest of the rocks, Mox the is kind of a big dude. It's just like... The physical nature of AEW, and, and, you know, they still have the small guys that can do flippy stuff. They still got the all-around performers, but, uh, you know, people like to see monsters in wrestling. Will Hobbs can be that next-level guy.
0: Yeah, and I'm more than happy to see what happens when Moxley and Will tag to face off against uh, the new uh, partnership that's being made between Team Taz and... And Jake the Snake Roberts, Monster monster, Murderhawk monster. But with that out of the way, let's get into the AEW results for this week. We started off with the AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR, taking on Jurassic Express and Jurassic Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Before FTR even came out to the ring and Jurassic Express was already in the ring, Young Bucks come out. And they walk into the ring just with the biggest bitch faces on that you could possibly imagine for the Young Bucks. Walk in, Mike Posey's in the ring as the referee. He gets super kicked. So that's two referees they've now super kicked. And then they just (laughs) walk backstage and then throw a stack of $5,000 each at Tony Khan because that's how much they got fined last time. And, (laughs) I mean, considering how many... Things the Young Bucks do with just wads of cash completely within character. But at the same time, watching them slowly and like very much so like make that heel turn has just been so much fun to watch because they've got such attitude and they've got such chips on their shoulder, I think, with trying to make tag team wrestling huge and also slowly kind of falling into the background with the tag division. I think it's done a really great job to like make sure people remember, oh no, these guys are still the best. They're still unbelievably good. But overall, the match between FTR and uh, Jurassic Express was really strong. There was a point where cash like goes for a drop kick, I want to say on Jungle Boy and then he misses it and then la- like his feet land on the rope, top ropes, and then he like falls backwards and nearly lands on his neck. That scared the shit out of me. I thought cash literally got hurt, but overall, after Luchasaurus came in and just started wrecking shop, they then get Luchasaurus outside the ring. He tries to dive onto Dax, I believe, and he misses, flies into the crowd, and then by the time uh, Luchasaurus recovers, Jungle Boy then gets caught as he gets pe- he gets uh, he connects a sunset flip on Dax, but then Cash yanks him and throws him into the ropes hole down by as well. Tully Blanchard, and then Jungle Boy gets pinned because of that assist. So uh, I was mistaken. It was very much Cash who was on the outside who dodged Jurassic Express. I mean, Jung- Luchasaurus. My apologies. But it was a really nice finish, a really nice sneaky undercut finish by FTR to continue to reign their dominance on the tag division. Still undefeated. I believe they're 9-0 and at this point in time. And also, I will mention too, when the Young Bucks went backstage... And FTR was just yucking it up as uh, Young Bucks walked backstage and just walked away and just, just mugging it for the camera and just giving them so much shit. And it was absolutely great. Really, really strong opener for the show, I think. But Floyd, your
1: thoughts? So FTR has now transformed and transitioned into full Hill 80s tag team uh they have been slowly making their transition over months they started they came in and they worked the house style a little faster a little bit and then they've slowly started showing that other side of them and then of course they won the titles and they won the titles Fairly, you know, in fair and square, two double, two spike pile drivers. It was rarely fair. Tully didn't get involved. But now that they've become champions and they have something to protect, something to defend, they are full-on Hill 80s tag team. In this match, it was pure cutting off the ring. People tended to like this show, but, uh, like this match better. Uh, some people tend to like this match better than the one at All Out. I disagree. Thought this was good. But this was straight out of the 80s playbook with Jungle Boy and uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus playing the Rock and Roll Express to uh, to the Midnight Express. But it was actually more brainbuster style because they were working a limb and cutting off the ring. So it was great. And then the roll up and not winning clean. That's what heels do. Tully's more involved, he seems like Tully's really into this whole gimmick. He seems a lot more natural than he does with Sean Spears because you know what it's fun when you're a manager of a winning team as opposed to a guy that he beats all the people that are you know lower than him, but whenever he gets on dynamite, he pretty much loses so it's a uh, it 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 just seems like it's a completely jail tag team, and I love. I love FTR's The Shitty Hills. I thought Jungle Boy, he's he's one of the best at taking heat and make you feel sorry for him. And in, you know, in a time where a lot of people don't feel sorry for people, Jungle Boy makes you feel that way, and that's awesome. And Luchasaurus one of the best hot tags in wrestling. So
0: pretty much, you. yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, it was a great, great match. Uh, I think I think did everything it was supposed to do, and. And it it fully transitioned to FTR into the role that they will be playing for the rest of their title reign.
0: Yeah. After this, we cut backstage to Alex Marvez, who was with Private Party. Matt Hardy was on the concrete floor, very much in pain, and they were talking about a game plan. And then apparently, then that's when he gets laid out. Chris Jericho and Jake Hager come up and just like, oh, is he okay? Is is he going to be okay? Or are you going to have to maybe amputate his leg? And then just giggling to each other, Hager and Jericho walk away, leading into their match that they would have later tonight. Next up, we had SCU's Frankie Kazarian versus Hangman Adam Page. Kenny Omega joined the commentary team, which, yes, because the way that Kenny Omega has been like Moving away from hangman has been and moving away from tag team wrestling and the way it's it's so serendipitous because the same way that hangman wanted to distance himself away from the the elite is the same thing that Kenny Omega is doing with trying to distance himself from hangman and distance himself from tag team wrestling but they're continuously pulled back in. But now Hangman is just straight up just burned every bridge that there possibly could be, so now he's just in the singles competition and by himself. But Kenny very much wants to be by himself and go on a singles run, but he's still continuing to talk about tag team wrestling and Hangman Adam Page. But in terms of the match itself, Frankie's great, Hangman's great. It was just a really good singles match. It was I had nothing... Uh, anything bad to say? These guys are both unbelievably good. They've showcased their talents on AEW multiple times. They just like laid each other out with some strong shots. Some great, like I, there was a amazing DDT that Frankie hit on Adam Page, and he just continued to just these back and forth, back and forth action until the Buckshot layer. It was hit on Frankie, and then as uh, as uh, Kenny Omega is question once again about like tag team wrestling he's just like you know what i'm good have a good night guys i'm gonna i'm heading out and then he doesn't congratulate him and by the time that hangman turns around kenny is gone and he was totally expecting him to come in but i mean the heel stuff that's happening with the elite has just been nothing but entertaining and i'm loving every second of it but this match was really really strong and i love the inclusion of having frankie take on these singles competitions on dynamite because he's he's still so freaking good. Like, people comment on how good Christopher Daniels is at his age. Frankie Kazarian is so freaking good. But, Floyd, what do you think? All right. So, let me start at the
1: beginning. That's a nice way of you uh, putting Kenny's departure from uh, the tag team division. uh it making it seem like it was his choice to leave. Uh, I, how I say is FTR uh, retired Kenny uh from tag team wrestling uh ftr on this day stands for force the retirement uh, of kenny omega he realized he couldn't measure up in the tag team division because real tag teams are there now so uh, sayonara he just he you know what he did the business decision he didn't want to keep getting beat up by ftr so it made sense he says i'll, I'll be singles that's a little bit easier so he's out there watching Hangman, who, you know, you always have that person that thinks, you know, hope, hope, hope. Yeah, maybe if we can get it together, you know, you know get back together. Hangman's the girlfriend in this situation that wants to get back in a relationship. So he's wrestling Frankie, because uh, Kenny basically said, I'm not tagging with you no more. Because I, he doesn't want to lose the FTR again. Fear. It's, it's cool. You're supposed to fear the revelation. I get that. So you get in there, and can, you got hangman and frankie the first matches i remember hangman in he was kind of the young boy in roh and i think he had just joined the bullet club and him and a hangman were having a lot of back and forth and they had about three or four matches including some type of uh like death match and their matches were always amazing so when i heard that this match was going to be on AEW, i already knew these dudes had amazing chemistry It came through in the match. I think this was the second week in a row they had a really solid, really solid to very good singles match last week. It was Brody Lee and Dustin Rhodes. And then you had Hangman and... Frankie Kazarian come out and they just had a professional wrestling match. It was just an amazing professional wrestling match. It would fit on any card. It was just like, the, the, you know, they just wanted to win. It didn't have to have, need a title on the stakes. It didn't need them to hate each other. It was just two guys that wanted to win. They put on an amazing match. Buckshot Lariat for the win. He looks back and Kenny's gone. Kenny's gone. He's like, you know what? Uh, I, I understood this. I understood why he did it because, you know, Kenny didn't want to leave hope in Hangman's eyes of them getting back in the tag team division because, of course, Kenny just doesn't want to lose again. So I get it. Kenny's, Kenny is running away from the tag team division because he's scared of it, and Hangman's trying to bring him back. And I, the only way to enter this, the only way to uh, resolve this is a V-trigger to the face. So there you go.
0: There you go. That's how. I, that's after- how I
1: see that whole segment. Just it was all about the FTR again. Another FTR segment. They didn't even have to be there. That's how great they
0: are. I mean, yeah, you'll you'll sing their praises any chances you get. But after this, we had MJF with Wardlow at his side taking on Sean Dean. Two seconds into the match. Pokes him in the eyes, MJF then quickly hits the the salt-of-the-earth armbar, and then he taps out. The match lasted, I believe, six seconds. I think it was their shortest match they've had on Dynamite since they've started on TNT. Then MJF goes on the microphone and talks about how he's an honest man and that he's pretty sure that Mox cheated and he should still be undefeated right now and be the AEW world champion because he used an illegal move. And even though the rest back was turned, he still used an illegal move. So, in a sense, he's right. The fact that the move was banned in the first place is bullshit anyway. But, of course, MJF's never going to bring that up. But he then claims, well, just demands, in fact, that he wants to be known as the undefeated, uncrowned, undisputed AEW world champion of all elite wrestling. Forces Justin Roberts to do it, and then... After that, he just quickly just cuts another great promo and talks about how he's kind of a lone wolf and there's just a new group or a new stable or new faction every week here. But he says if he decides to pick a group, if he decides to not to, it doesn't matter because in the end, he's still better than you and you know it. I mean, it's just a really fucking good promo. MJF is continuously cutting great promos and just being... Such a detestable heel. Coming off of a big, big loss, MJF can still bounces back and continues to be detestable, continues to be at the top of his game, and it's a great way to continue MJF's tenure in AEW after losing his first AEW World Title shot.
1: Great, great way of keeping him uh, relevant after a loss. Uh, it was like uh, MJF is... The future of the company. So he has to stay on top. He was great in a faction in MLW. Uh, I think it was called the Dynasty, uh, like uh, Richard Holiday. So I could see him uh, fitting into a faction well. I've tweeted out from my personal Twitter that, you know, Cody's gone. He's elevating AEW in other ways as far as becoming a super uh, TV star. Uh, Carrying TV shows, I get that Cody has to go do what Cody has to do. So, with that being said, it looks like FTR. You know, they got that finger and they got that one finger down and they throwing up three, and it feels like it's more natural, you know, not to hold that finger down and to you know throw up four.
0: Oh so, my God!
1: Imagine. Uh, yeah. So, I'm just saying. The horsemen that I grew up in the 80s, it was four guys that were amazing wrestlers that could talk you into the building and that can make you hate them. So, if you're asking me what group together would fit into that mold, you put MJF with FTR, three guys, amazing promos. Tully as the manager, another amazing promo, throwing up that four. And I mean, if you want to throw Sean Spears in there, I would not get mad. Because, you know, in the old world, it was like you put four, you could put four stars together. But in new wrestling, you know, you really don't want to do that because somebody has to get pinned. So, you know, you want to have Sean Spears in there as the enforcer, quote unquote enforcer slash pin eater. I could see that. I, I mean, if I'm looking at the round of groups in in uh, AEW, this is not just to talk about FTR more. This is, again, this is me taking my FTR love away and saying, you look at the people and who's left in the company right now. Does he really fit with anyone else? I'm asking, yeah. it, 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 I mean, it just seems I, it, it, like it's the considering,
0: logical... Yeah, yeah, considering the type of old-school heel that he is, it genuinely fits so well. Exactly. So, understand...
1: I I do love FTR, again, but this is me taking away my FTR love, looking at it as impartial as possible. It's the only group that fits his aesthetic. Yeah.
0: After this, we had another segment, uh, this time with Eddie Kingston, Penta El Zero M, Ray Phoenix, Butcher and the Blade. So Kingston just had three points to make in this promo. He says, number one. Never lost the Battle royal. Look up the rules. We very much know that's the case. He also said that last week. Number two, they're a family. We're not a stable. We're not a faction. A family is what they are. You sound like Vin Diesel. But that's besides. Oh,
1: family of violence. He, he made sure to click because I think that's oh, yeah. going to be their name. Oh, yeah, family of
0: violence, violence and agents of chaos is what yes,
1: he said. I think, that's, I think family of violence might end up being their name. But
0: That makes total sense, yeah. yeah. And then Kingston then decided... Uh, Butcher and Blade go find some victims, and they go out and they attack Brian Pillman Jr. and a couple other guys that I couldn't tell who they were. But they just started beating the shit out of some pe- some baby faces that were in the crowd. And then he says the third point, Blade. Since we got all of us together, it's time for you to get your house in order. And then he nods, and then Jr. is just like, "The hell does that mean?" So. Floyd, any ideas of what exactly that point means? Oh yes.
1: Um, again, personal Twitter. You can follow me at Floyd Johnson Jr. Not trying to plug myself, but if you like want to hear my thoughts outside of the show, honestly, that's where I tweet from. Um, I threw. I was like, uh, the blade's gonna kill QT, and I'm sorry, because as most people don't know, or some people do know, it's not a secret, <laughs> Allie. And Allie, who is QT's girlfriend, is the Blade's wife, a <laughs> real life wife, shoot wife, whatever you want to say, played on TV wife. <laughs> so, so he's like, "You got to get your house in order." Yeah. So QT's gonna die, and RIP QT. You know, great. that's uh, what you
0: get for simping?
1: Like let me let me just tell you, you know, I'm sorry. If 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 I'm dating a chick and she says the last guy I dated is the Blade, that's his name. It doesn't go by a real name. He just goes by the Blade. I'm gonna have to pass on that relationship. to i yeah, gonna have to pass. <laughs> I'm, I'm,
0: I'm not like Scott Pilgrim, who hears I have seven evil exes you have to fight. and He's like, sure, yeah, no, like, very much not that personality with <laughs> no, me. It's like, no. oh, I have a my ex is named Blade, the Blade. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the Blade.
0: We'll see and other his people. Best friends him him the I butcher. Say,
1: I'm just like, hey, if you want to meet up online and play some PS4 together, we can have that kind of relationship. Yeah, but ain't nobody ever seeing like, us like, Let's do together.
0: Something.
1: <laughs> do something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ain't nobody ever seeing us together because I'm not trying to die. So, RIP QT, you had a good run. Uh, there you go. Yeah, because not only is the blade coming, he has a big guy named the butcher, and then he just hooked up with two crazy. Uh, Two crazy luchas.
0: So, I don't see your chances going that well, you know? There you go. (laughs) We then had Private Party versus Inner Circle's Demo God, Chris Jericho, and Jake Hager. And this match was all right. I will say, for me, it was probably the weakest part on the show. And it's just because of the fact that this is... I would prefer Jericho and Hager not to be doing this. I would prefer... Them not to be yet another. Now, now the inner circle has two tag teams, and Sammy's off doing God knows what anymore. So, I, 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 it was a, it was a decent match. I enjoyed Private Party. I mean, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager are still great, but I just the the idea of it of just having this be a tag team and getting a mega push for the tag team titles. I just, I'd rather not. I just personally would rather not. I It's the one decision regarding the tag team division, which I was like, maybe let's back up and not go down this road. Because honestly, with how many tag teams you have, you should just go a different route with this. It just makes the most sense. But overall, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager got the win. And then, after the match was over, the Walls of Jericho was placed on on Cassidy. Afterwards, then Mark Quinn came and knocked him out with a knocked him out with a pe- Pele kick. And then Jericho and Jake Hager retreated. This feud will very much continue in the future. But I have already I've said my thoughts on it. and It's very much kind of a eh, I'd rather not with this, and it's not my favorite thing right now. But Floyd, any differing thoughts? I 100% agree with it not being my thing. But if you're trying to elevate
1: the tag division. You're trying to make the tag division seem as important as the world title. You put Jericho in angle for it. You make it something Jericho desires. That elevates in the eyes of the TV audience that might not know who FTR is like all the way, might not really care about uh, you know, other tag teams. One thing about ratings on this show is people care about Jericho. They want Jericho involved. So... Jericho being in the tag division elevates it and makes few more people care. Do I like it? No. Because what's the point of having a tag team in your gang if you're then just going to keep forming tag teams with other people from the gang?
0: Especially is- when you've already tagged with one of the singles members yeah. in the gang. And had a name. You were the Lace yeah, X and you already gods. had a team and t-shirts made and for it. Yeah, you're the Lace ex gods. It just seems like it doesn't make
1: any sense. But focusing on the positive chris jericho after the after the matches is the positive that I' will focus on. Mark Quinn kicked Chris Jericho in the head, so you know what that means? Chris Jericho's about to make make Mark Quinn famous now, I think everyone in the company sees Mark Quinn as one of the future of the company. I think he's one of those people that you know. he's going to be in the tag team division. Private Party eventually is going to get get all the way over and be a top tag team in the future. But when he takes that next step, when he, Shawn Michaels, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh... Isaiah Cassidy. Marty yeah, yeah. When he Shawn Michaels, Isaiah Cassidy, and, and kicks him, I think he's going to be the one that they push his future to company. He's such a good all around performer. He has all the tools. He has a look to go into the future. Great thing is, black don't crack. So, you know, you got a like, 10, 15 year window before he starts to age. So that's another good thing. Uh, so, Mark Quinn, I think, is the future. I think he would be like, so. And it's funny, because a big problem six months ago was push black singles wrestlers. That was one. So you, now you got Scorpio Sky kind of the lead one, and you everybody's waiting on him to go to the next level. They got Mark Quinn kind of in that second position, him and Isaiah Cassidy as a tag team. And then they signed Will Hobbs. So they, they seem to be addressing it. It's just going to be kind of a slower burn, which is awesome. And now you're going to probably get a Mark Quinn-Jericho match whenever it's announced. And, you know, people are going to to see what Mark Quinn does because that's what something people don't realize about Jericho. In his matches, he's really good at focusing on what the other guy is good at and letting them star. I think Mark Quinn had a bit of a star-making performance with Cody. I think Jericho will take it to the next level.
0: Yeah, honestly, I g- agree with that. I think... I think Mark Quinn did show himself in the TNT Open Challenge. I am excited to see more of him in singles-wise, and the fact that they might be going down this road is interesting to me because I I love this idea, and I think I, I'm i not sure yet. I think I, I, me personally, I still need to see a little bit more, and I think him facing off against Jericho in this kind of feud will be really interesting to watch, but I will be excited to see more of this going down the line. After this match, we had Lise, accompanied by Diamante, versus the NWA Women's World Champion Thunder Rosa with the NWA World Title on the line. I also loved how Ivelisse and Diamante came out with their with their Women's Tag World Cup uh, medals. I thought that was super cool. And Cheetah was on ringside watching this match as well. And these, these two beat the shit out of each other. Like, I was... Sh- I was very surprised at just how vicious some of the strikes in this match was. There was a really good knee strike by uh, Ivalice when Diamante was just distracting Thunder Rosa. And they just beat the hell out of each other. I thought the fact that, I mean, just the Tombstone Piledriver to win the match by Thunder Rosa was really, really strong as well. I was, like, really looking forward to this match. And it delivered on every aspect. Afterwards, Diamante jumped Thunder Rosa, and then they started going after her, and then Hikaru Shida came to the aid of Thunder Rosa, knocked out Diamante and Ivelisse, and just started kicking them out of the ring, and then they just had a little show of respect in the ring, which which is really, really awesome, and yeah, I I was super happy with how this match turned out, because I had high hopes with it, especially considering it was the first time the NWA championship was actually represented in a legitimate title match, which I think is really freaking cool. But Floyd, thoughts on Ivelisse in Thunder Rosa? Okay, so this
1: match I was looking forward to. I've become a big... I've been a big fan of Thunder Rosa, but more and more, every time I see she's just like an amazing professional wrestler. She's very physical. She has a way of blending in professional wrestling and her MMA talents, because, you know, she's a fighter, too, and I just think it's great. So, Ivalice, her and Ivalice have worked together before, so I'm like, man, this is going to be great. It did not disappoint. I was like, man, this looks like a fight. And this is like one of the first women's, you know, matches where I felt like it was a Fight, You know, I've seen good wrestling matches in the women's division. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this one felt like a fight. It felt like they were going after each other. And then, of course, Thunder Rosa had to win. We then find out, now we've got to add some color from the internet, that apparently, uh, according to Uncle Dave Meltzer, uh, they, Evilise and uh, Thunder Rosa, uh, Ivelisse, they didn't really get along backstage, and they were throwing real shots. And, Ooh. you know, they and uh, Thunder Rosa, again, professional cage fighter. She does this. So she basically put Eva put Lee's in her place. And then they went back to being professionals. And then they did the match. And then they did the jumping. I don't know how much of this is true. Uh, this is rumors and any window speculation. I tend to trust Dave Meltzer, but, you know, he's even wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, every match should be a shoot. <laughs> 'cause this oh. was the, this was the best thing i've ever seen on oh, as oh. far as as far as women's matches in AEW it was like if they were shooting on each other they need to sh- she needs to shoot on everybody that they were uh, that they were doing going forward. That's like I'm like I'm not falling into the oh my god and like shit. The person they started they wrestled and the person that won the match was supposed to win. That's all I care about. I mean, at least took the three. She was professional in that way. Thunder Rosa. If that if this was them going off script, it was like the best thing for the match.
0: I will say, let's. Like, like you said, like, every match should be a shoot, so then my mind was like, let's go even further with that. Let's have them fight in a dusty-ass fucking garage or some shit with no ring ropes, people surrounding it, slamming it, and they're shoot fighting. And then we have girls dancing in the corner for no fucking reason except for the fact that we want to pop a rating.
1: This came off realer than any, more real than anything that I've seen in that scenario that you brought up. It was just like, it was a fight. And, I mean, that's what you want wrestling to be a simulated fight. I don't want every match to be like this. But, when it comes to the women's division where, like, a lot of people, you know, are are still learning, are developing as performers, it was just like, okay... This was different. It just looked different than anything you've seen on AEW as far as in the women's division. And there was a reason that it did. So, like I said, I don't know if this is true or not or whatever. Because in my mind, you know, you start, no matter what, you watch wrestling, you fantasy book, you look ahead. And I was like, okay. I ha- I kind of saw Diamante jumping in, jumping Thunder Rosa, and then Sheeta making the save. I saw that coming. Because in my... Fantasy booking is next week when they're tagged Fantasy. up they Thunder Rosa Eise, and Diamante team up and then beat up Sheeta. That's All how right. I see it going 'cause yeah, hey, but maybe that won't happen, and then you could use that to elevate maybe Ty Conti comes out and tries to help Sheeta. and it it just you know there's a whole lot of strings to pull here. But whatever, that's how I saw it coming. I'm just saying what I saw before the match. That was previous. But then after the match, and it was just like, and then I found out it was hard hit, and I was like, "Good lord, this is sometimes where I want kayfabe to be kayfabe, because it was a really bomb ass match. I didn't need to know the other part, but sure. if you're on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and you're in groups, you're gonna find out the other part. I actually well, also, a subscriber think... to one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, though, but, like, honestly, like, that's just the case case with, like, any good feud or good match normally. If there's actual real-life issues in the match, like, going into it, like, or going into the feud, like, that's normally going to add to your feud or add to your match. I mean, like, I think that's the whole reason why the feud between Edge and Matt Hardy is still remembered today because it was, like, pretty fucking real with just everything that was going on in both of those guys' lives and the person that was in the middle of it all. And, like, you look at, like, stuff like, just, like, stuff between, like, Hunter and Chris Jericho and, like, how they didn't like each other, like, in the mid-2000s and they still had such good chemistry in the ring and put on great matches. Like, even if you have a distaste for somebody, you can still put on, like... Great matches, even even especially if there's real shit behind that. Like, you get a little bit of like actual like anger and like you give it to each other. Like that adds to your match so much.
1: Yeah, it's called being a professional. That's what it's called. Definitely, uh, being a professional wrestler. It's like, and like I said, even if they threw a few shots at each other and really hit each other in the face and got into it a little bit, the rest of the match looked like a wrestling match. So it didn't look like you know, Thunder Rosa didn't start shooting on her after she got the three or anything. It was just looked like they were performing. There's a gif going around where Eva gets put in a full nelson and she looks uninterested. I'm just like, I mean, you can if you watch wrestling enough, you can find something in how someone's reaction is every now and then. I know Eva Leese has had not the best reputation. As far as having the best attitude, but I don't know. I just I think a lot of people are reaching. But again, Dave Meltzer said it, so a lot of people believe it's true. I ain't one of those people that would tend to believe it's true. But I just think if there was real beef, you would know more from more people. Sure. Yeah.
0: After this, we had a back we had a segment with Miro backstage. Uh, he was bench pressing like crazy while Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford were. Uh, watching on, and uh, Kip Sabian was building up the whole wedding and him being the best man. And then Miro's just like, I I want to be in the, I want to get in the ring, like I want to. And he's like, Well, we got something else before we get into the ring. We got the bachelor party, man, and we got the whole wedding to deal with. And you're the best man. And then he's like, You invited me to be your best man, but I am the best man, so the best man provides the best bachelor party. So. Funny little segment. It was all right. Just a little transition. Then we up. Oh, did you have something to say on this one?
1: Oh, uh, no. I was just going to say he said at some point, When are you going to let me smash somebody or destroy somebody? Or he said something, some word about that uh, brings on the line the color of, you know, Miro being Miro. So I do love that. It's like, you know, Kip brought him in and he's kind of a pit bull right now on a leash, but eventually he's going to let him go.
0: Oh, yeah. It's going to be so good when he does, too. But then after this, we had Lance Archer and Jake the Snake Roberts come down to the ring. And then Lance, uh, as he's standing in the ring, has Jake the Snake talking about how he's not happy, but they need tag team partners. So if he's willing to lay in bed with the devil, i just as soon lay in bed with the Tasmanian devil. So then he calls out Taz and the Taz team to come out, Archer and... And uh, and Roberts come down, Taz and Archer come down to the ring, and they talked about it. And there's a business decision of how they're doing a trio of absolute Ricky Starks, the Machine, Brian Cage, and the Murder Hawk Monster, who's currently the number one contender for the AEW World Title. And they're going to be teaming. And then the deal is if when Lance Archer destroys John Moxley and takes the AEW title, the first title shot is going to Brian Cage, and then they talked about how he's going to come down and uh, on October 14th and Murderhawk Monster is going to knock that punk-ass John Moxley down. He also went after Eddie Kingston about him crying and whining about not going over the top rope. And then he had a great line, the monster and the machine are going to go Godzilla on the dailies place. As an Eminem fan, I appreciate the Godzilla line. And either way, John Moxley then comes out and then right before he's about to talk, he gets jumped by Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. And then that's when Will Hobbs runs in with the steel chair and then destroys Brian Cage. It's a hell of a debut. And then John Moxley just bills the hell out of uh, Will Hobbs. And he just talks about Oakland's most violent, Will Hobbs. He also said... He's gonna need a third partner, so he's gonna call in the services of your favorite wrestler, Taz, and then Darby Allen will be joining that team, and it'll be a six-man tag match next week between Darby Allen, Will Hobbs, and John Moxley versus Murderhog, Monster, Lance Archer, uh, Brian Cage, and Eddie, K- and uh, oh shit, uh, fucking uh, Ricky Starks.
1: So I have a lot to point out on this uh, group. There's uh, a not, lot in this I mean, segment. In mean, a lot in this segment. First of all. The pure genius when people say wrestling booking is not hard. I, I you know, I always call bullshit. I think it's very hard. But I gotta I gotta give a shout out to the whole idea of WWE, I will use them as an example because I hate their six man matches. They would just throw these three men together with no real explanation. They explained why these three men are working together. That was perfect. Common enemy. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. I love it. Then Mike uh, Mike's comes out and it's funny because you see Ricky Starks, uh, you see Ricky Starks in a hoodie in the back, and they jump him, and then uh, Will Hobbs comes. First thing, I wish they wouldn't announce Will Hobbs signing before the show. I yeah. wish Will Hobbs again. These are little points, just me as a wrestling fan. Will Hobbs just shows up. Just think of Hobbs. You don't know he signs. He just shows up. Starts beating the crap out of them, and then you find out after the show Will Hobbs signs with AEW. Awesome! I just think that's an awesome moment. They kind of let the information out beforehand. I imagine Tony Khan is exponentially smarter than I am, so I know there's a reason for that. I, uh, so I will just leave it at that. Darby Allin, I love, you know, Mox always leans more into the world of reality he didn't even talk to darby allen before he said darby it, him asking darby to be his partner happened on national tv he said get your ass on the plane and get down to Jacksonville. we gotta fight <laughs> and that was just kind of cool it was just a different he's like i didn't even talk to him before it's like no it was just like dude i'm asking you right now get your ass out here in wrestle that was i thought that was really cool really raw Added to the realism of the moment, and next week you got Mox giving a rub to Hobbs by being in the match, and uh, Allen against those uh, those guys like Cage and Archer literally want to fight each other, but <laughs> they're gonna be on the tag team because they know they got bigger goals because they want when they fight they want it to be for the world title and that's gonna be amazing. I just thought this segment was kind of perfect. Like I think this is one of the better, if not best, non-wrestling segments they've ever done. Just because it never got boring. it ne- They got Jake under control, so he didn't drone on too long. Taz said exactly what he wanted, made what he wanted. You know, I want, we want a title shot clear. The reason for the uh, group being together. Max comes out looking tough. He gets Will Hobbs you know, the rub, and kind of gets him over Oakland's most violent. Like, dude, okay, that's he should be Oakland's most violent, Will Hobbs, when he comes out every time now. He just gave him the nickname. And then, go. then oh, Darby, dude, I, I know you're always down for a fight. I didn't even have to call you first. Get your ass to Jacksonville. We're about to beat these dudes up. I just thought it was just a perfect segment.
0: It was really great, honestly. We then had the main event's... The the parking lot brawl between Santana and Ortiz versus best friends, Trent and Chuck Taylor. First off, Santana and Ortiz had their faces painted, just like in the 95 film Dead Presidents. Yes. There you go. Represent the Bronx. There you go. And then they just, they just, I mean, holy shit, this match, they beat the shit out of each other. I mean, just going through some of the spots. Yeah. I mean, it was a fucking fight. I mean, there's a point Santana gets ran into the driver's side mirror of a car and then like Trent gets his head uh, slammed on the hood of a car onto Ortiz and just flipping sentons off of the roof of a car onto the hood. There is a point where there is a there's like steel batons, bats, all this kind of stuff. Sledgehammer gets thrown through the car windshield. Santana. I mean Ortiz suplexes Trent onto the roof of a car and he just gets glass all into his back and then the best spot of all was just Orange Cassidy being in the trunk of one of the cars jumping out of it and then hitting the orange punch on Santana and just Jesus Christ the then then the finish of just Chuck hits Santana with a pile driver on the hood of a car and then Trent Hits him through this plywood that's set onto a truck bed and then just goes through the bed, through the bl- uh, plywood onto the truck bed. And that's how the pin was happening. I mean, this got five stars for a reason. Holy shit, this was carnage and what a way to finish off Dynamite. It was just such a good, just, just brawl. And like, considering how much AEW prides itself on their wrestling. They've shown multiple times that they're good at gimmick matches and they're good at just like death like not even death matches, but just really extreme no holds barred matches. And this was so damn good. And I I mean it was my favorite part of the show, the like no questions asked, and it was just an amazing way to cap off this feud, an amazing way to cap off Dynamite and then Trent's mom Sue pulls up in her minivan. I assume a brand new one since that last one was pretty messed up. And then, right as they leave, Sue flips off Santana and Ortiz. Fucking yes, yes, Queen Slay. Now Floyd, thoughts on this hell of a main event?
1: Yes, Queen Slay. Okay, that's how we're doing this. Okay, I got you.
0: Yeah, I got you. yeah. <laughs> okay. Even even yeah. in her, even in whatever age she is, she's slaying.
1: All right, so J.R. <laughs> said this was the best street fight he's ever called. And, yeah, I, I mean, hey, five stars. I get it. I will say this is not even the best street fight I've ever seen Proud and Powerful in. <laughs> they were in a couple in Impact with Lucha Bros and then one with the original LAX. They're amazing at this. So when they did this, I was expecting exactly what I got. It was hard-hitting. It was real Uh, Mick Foley had them literally made a video to tell them how good they did and how safe And he said he couldn't have done it better the hardcore legend Mick Foley said he couldn't have done it better Uh, As far as the match it was just as physical. I think you went over most of the highlights only thing I didn't hear uh, so proud powerful just like the hills and most of these fights was about to go a little too far they had a steel pipe and he was about to bash someone's head in, and out from the back comes Orange Cassidy. Yep. Orange Cassidy and he gives them uh, he gives them uh the jump uh, the Superman punch, but he had a chain wrapped around his fist. Again, Orange Cassidy showing the more violent side of him, which I like. And then we get the finish that you explained. It was a perfect match. I honestly, there there are matches where I watch and I can truly say there's no loser. There was no loser in this match. Best, no. best friend got the pin, and they'll probably get elevated. Maybe they will go to against FTR in the future. But best friend got the pin. But there was literally no winner in this match. a loser in this match because Santana Ortiz elevated themselves to wherever they want to be. And then I found myself asking after this point of contention, why do they need Jericho and Hager?
0: I was gonna say like if there was any part of of the inner circle that would break off first. I, I, in my mind, I was like, it's either Sammy or pride and proud and powerful. And I'm leaning more towards them. I'm leaning more towards them. Honestly, it, it, it seems like they could just be vicious dogs and just, you can barely tell that they're in an inner circle.
1: You can barely tell they're in an inner circle at this point. You're in a street fight, which there is no rules. You literally, they have orange Cassidy three you have three other professional wrestlers, five. You should always have the numbers advantage, and you lose out to the numbers advantage. How does that happen? <laughs> I am like, if I'm like, I am like, I can write the promo for them of them leaving <laughs> in a circle, because it's like, we got with you because of the numbers advantage. But I can honestly say, Proud and Powerful main evented the Dynamite, like, as a tag team. Tag team wrestling main evented a dynamite. I that is you don't understand how big that is for me That is like perfect. This was a a show I honestly and this is the best compliment I can got I think this is the best non Cody show of dynamite that they've ever produced from top to bottom I mean from top to bottom like, even that l- one low part, the Jericho tag match, if you call it a low, was still a good tag team match. But as far as entering performance, wrestling performances, this might have been their best show ever.
0: Yeah, not to mention just all the story threads that are being, to- like, thrown in, like, in e- almost every single segment and every single match. Like, every match, like, continued on a story in like, in different ways. So, and, yeah, and, like, you got, you got a great pop i mean like i mean we'll we'll mention this too like the ratings wise you got 886 uh thousand viewers over nxt's 689,000 i believe i also saw a tweet that in on wednesday nights um it was number 1 in the 18 to 18, 18 to something 30 uh and uh demographic it was number 1 in cable in that demographic which on wednesday which is fucking awesome and that's a non-cody episode, so I Anything. mean,
1: I, I think they have done a good job of making it appointment viewing. Uh, the thing, the difference between this and the other company that they're often compared to, is that this is their only show. This is their main show. I mean, I mean, by this is their only nationally televised show. This is the focus of their week. Uh, you know, a lot of their roster isn't on the show because. This is, you know, the highlight. There's only a certain amount of spots and they're trying to put on their best programming as opposed to the other people that it's three. It's three. They have three shows. Again, one, this one feels like appointment viewing. You know, I like, like tonight, I'm going to watch the Lakers game. I might, I'll come back to SmackDown later. You know, it's just, I can I don't feel like I'm going to miss anything. But if you watch Dynamite an hour late, Literally, be off social media because that's all everyone's talking about. Every aspect, every good line—that's all that's being said.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And like, even with NXT too. Like, I love NXT, but like, I've still consistently, like, like mostly, like skimmed highlights and then watched the takeovers live. That's just how I've been with NXT for the longest time, and even more so recently, just with some certain decisions that they've made. But it's still like I can't miss Dynamite live it it pains me to miss it live because every time like, I'm normally rewarded for sticking with it so that's, that's what you want to do when you're building a new show when you're building a brand and when you're building a company is you want to reward your fans for sticking it out for the long run because when you do they love you even more and AEW has realized that and they've done so well at it yeah uh, Yeah, and that's all we have for AEW Dynamite for this week. And we're going to go into the preview for next week's Dynamite. We'll also talk about the late-night Dynamite preview that happened on Tuesday after the NBA. It hasn't happened yet. Well, not yet. It's going to happen. (laughs) Freudian slip again. I'm sorry. I'm quite tired. Work has sort of thrown me off my sleep schedule, and I'm going to get— Accustomed to it very soon, but we have the late night Dynamite preview Tuesday night after the NBA that's coming up. That hasn't happened, and Chris Jericho will be on commentary for that. But before we get into those previews, I want to let you guys know that support for all things Elite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tool for your grooming experience. And if you go and make an order and use the code SUPLEX, you'll get 20% off that order, and you'll get free shipping off that order. Not one or the other, not none of them. That code is very much getting you both 20% off and free shipping. And Floyd can attest to the power of manscaped and how strong their products truly are
1: well i hope you've been listening to the show over the last what six weeks or whatever we've been doing this uh yeah i'm just gonna tell you if this is something that you're interested in you're on the fence about this is the time to try it with the discount i am telling you i don't think you're going to be disappointed i mean i mean having clean balls, having a groomed area, what is the bad point? I want you to give Manscaped the shot, if you don't like it, you can call me out, you can call me out on Twitter, say I'm some kind of shyster, but I don't think that's the plan. I think you're gonna like it, and then you're gonna tweet and tag me, and tag me in Manscaped and tell me how good your experience is. So go ahead and throw the code in there, suplex, get to 20% off free shape and free shipping, Thank me later.
0: Yes, and thank you, Manscaped, for sponsoring the podcast. Going into our preview for Late Night Dynamite on Tuesday, we have Scorpio Sky taking on Ben Carter, continuing his push to be involved in more singles competition. We have the reigniting of Brandy versus Anna Jay after what happened between Cody and the Dark Order. And then we have Matt Seidel taking on Sean Spears, which... Honestly, I'm like leaning towards Brandy and Anna Jay and Matt Seidel and Sean Spears as the matches I'm looking the most forward to. Obviously, Matt Seidel has been like under a little bit of criticism for his debut because of the botch that occurred. But I believe this is the point where Matt is gonna be showcasing just how good he really is. And I'm just i'm I'm one hundred percent excited to see how this goes out goes on. But overall, for, the Late Night Dynamite Preview. Any thoughts on this, Floyd?
1: Yes, they have really done well building the Brandy Brandy and Anna Jay uh, rivalry. Uh, Brandy was on Dark this week, and she was uh, wrestling, I believe, Red Velvet, and then she choked her out. She used a rear-necked choke the same thing Anna Jay did to Brandy, t- with Anna Jay watching to let her know that she can do it too. That was awesome. Uh, Scorpio Sky, Ben Carter is one of my favorite indie wrestlers. I've seen him on GCW like twice, and then I've seen him in a match. Uh, I've seen him in a match on Dark last week. The dude is freaking amazing. He can just do things. You know, he, he fits right into the aesthetic. I think uh, AEW should sign him so he does not sign anywhere else because I think he's going to get a contract fairly soon because that's how good the guy is. Matt Sidell versus Sean Spears. I'm just adding this little thing from BTE. They explained what happened with Matt Sidell. Uh, Matt Sidell got in. He was the Joker. <laughs> he was the Joker in the tournament, and that made... Uh, he was the Joker in the Battle Royal, and that made... Uh, Michael Nakazawa jealous, and they told Michael Nakazawa to make an impact, and he did. He put baby oil on the <laughs> turnbuckle, so Matt Sydal went to do a shooting star, and that's why he slipped. I can't believe it. He had never I, I, slipped.
0: I love, I love the excuses they make. I they love, it, it. It, that
1: was perfect retconning. Like you could have given me like six months, and I wouldn't have thought of that. That was no. just perfect. Perfect. They went completely into it. They they started comparing him to uh, the uh, what it was the guy Master. and yes. they said his character was ruined. They didn't watch the rest of the show. Michael Nakazawa was like, "You see what I did?" And they got so mad at him. He's like, you could have killed him!" And it was it was hilarious and perfect. They took something funny and made it even funnier. So yeah,
0: uh, yeah. I'll, they I'll... capitalized on it too, just to make it like you just. Put it in the mythos and also at the same time, just, like, make sure people remember, no, Matt is going to be amazing, and I think this match will showcase how good he is and how well of a get this was for AEW.
1: And this is perfect. You're going to have it on after the NBA. I don't know about a lot of people. I'm watching the NBA, right? The game ends. I start playing on my phone. I don't turn the channel. Now you have Dynamite show up, and you see Scorpio Sky, this gorgeous man. I mean, hey. I can say I can I can call a I can call a card a card. He's a very attractive man. Comes on there, (laughs) yeah, comes on there to wrestle Ben Carter. You're like, huh? I haven't watched wrestling since I was young. Let me check this out. And Ben Carter is like athletically gifted, amazing. That's gonna draw you in. I'm hoping that's the first match because that would be perfect. So hopefully we can get new people watching it from being on after the NBA. And being flexible. You know, TNT has to like that. that oh, yeah. That AEW can be flexible and have products ready for them anytime.
0: Exactly. Um, while we have the topic of the NBA, uh, let's pour one out for our poor homies with the Los Angeles Clippers. Y'all just can't get it done. You just can't get it done. So, like, it's only been ten
1: times, like, in league history that people have come back from 3-1 down to win the series. Doc Rivers has coached three of the teams that yes. it's happened to.
0: I love that. I love that statistic. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. thirty percent
1: of the times that this has happened in NBA history, Doc Rivers has been the coach. You're such a good coach, but why does this keep yeah, happening? To yes. How can you not make the adjustment to the adjustment or whatever the hell you got to do? But hey, shout out to Denver. Jamal Murray is a gamer. Yeah. Jokic might be next to Anthony Davis, one of the more unguardable players in NBA history. So they threw everything at him. He plays like a 45-year-old guy... On, uh, you know, at, at the lot, you know, that guy, that really old guy that just knows how to play basketball well. He's not fast anymore. He can't jump very high, but he just knows how to play the game. That's Jokic. I tip my hat. Yeah, I tip my hat to that man. I heard someone say, he plays like the guy that plays in flip-flops. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, shout out to him, but uh, yeah, uh, Lakers Clippers is what I heard all year. Me as a LeBron fan, I root for the Lakers, uh, and we don't get it. So whatever, yeah. whatever. Well, maybe next year. Yeah, and but Kawhi just needs I, to step I, his game up.
0: Yeah, and I can't even comment on like I I may have made the comment about they blew it and they can't get it done. Uh, I vote I cheer for the Detroit Lions. They were the kings of not getting it done. Like. 21-point lead and you still lose to fucking Mitch Trubisky. Patricia, you're a garbage coach and you're a fucking garbage GM hired you and they both need to be fired. That's all I'll say on that matter. But now let's get into the AEW Dynamite preview for next week. Also, one other thing since we talked about uh, uh, being the elite. Eddie Kingston cutting a promo on a cookie. It was like – if. you I, I
1: think the whole VTE episode, this was a really good episode from front to back back. I mean, because it had a lot of stories. It was funny. Plus, it, you know, uh, put some stories going forward. I thought it was a really good episode. But if you just watched that first what, few minutes where Eddie Kingston cuts a promo on a cookie, you realize this dude is as amazing as I say he is. And it was I, like, I, it was just I Yeah.
0: Like, I just can't. I just can't say. He loved else. and hated the cookie at the same time. It was amazing. <laughs> he had he had the weirdest relationship with that cookie, but the way he talked about it, you couldn't stop listening to him talk about this cookie. I mean, people make. I mean, like, I it it literally brought me back to when like. Eric Bischoff was trying to get hired by WWE and they had him cut a promo about like trying to sell a mop. But this is thousand times better than that because Eddie Kingston very much knows what this is and he's just so good that he makes it so like he looked almost entertaining.
1: He looked bored before they asked him.
0: And he just immediately went into
1: character. And it's just like when you talk about wrestlers being a different breed, I've seen this twice now. I saw Eddie Kingston just do it. And I, and, then I, and then like Eddie Kingston do it on BTE, and then I saw Warhorse do it in front of me. It's the most impressive thing. They're like talking to you normal, their name person. He's like getting to character, and then a snap of their finger, they are a completely different person, and it's amazing.
0: Yeah. But going into the preview for next week's AEW Dynamite, we'll have the tag team between Hikaru Shida, the AEW Women's Champion, versus the NW- with the NWA Women's Champion Thunder Rosa versus Ivelisse and Diamante, who won the Women's Tag Team World Cup. We also have that six-man tag match between Lance Archer, Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks versus John Moxley, Will Hobbs, and Darby Allin. Chris Jericho will be appearing live. And then, most interesting... Brody Lee versus Orange Cassidy, and that is very much a thing. I, it's like, what?
1: I've been calling for this for a while, and it's like I'm, I'm seeing ghosts or whatever because I keep calling it. But okay, with how hard they've been pushing Orange Cassidy, right, and how hard they've been pushing Brody Lee, and you probably want to save this match for later, maybe for the anniversary show, to make the anniversary show really big, this seems like the perfect time for a time limit draw.
0: Honestly, yeah. That's what I was going to say. I can't imagine, like... Like, Burley Lee just can't finish him, you know?
1: And Orange Cassidy hits the Superman punch, does all his things, and they just keep kicking out. And it just seems like, the time limit remaining, this is the perfect time for that draw now they never do it every time i call it they never do it so Brody lee will probably just win but
0: maybe because it's (sighs) for the tnt championship they will do it though so that way like he still retains and then at the same time though like yeah it's just like it makes sense yeah
1: it just seems like the perfect time or maybe a double DQ with I don't want like double DQs but I don't either but I don't. I don't like it either but with the whole dark order and the best friends all being involved I could see it or but or they might just pull the trigger on Orange Cassidy I don't know but I I this, I think the hottest act in AEW, people might disagree, but I think the hottest act on AEW, I'm talking about TV, internet, and everything, is the Dark Order. I don't think this is the right time to remove the belt from Brody Lee.
0: I don't as well. I think it's it's very much too early, and if you're going to wait till like Cody comes back, like it's like Brody should still have the title by the time Cody comes back.
1: Yeah, and you want to start a longer type rivalry for the TNT title? Orange Cassidy, Brody Lee, go to a time limit draw. There you go.
0: Yeah, and that'll do it for this episode of All Things Elite. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us and for listening. Uh, be sure to share the podcast with your friends and anybody who enjoys wrestling or AEW. Be sure that you're downloading the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Again, shout out to our Spotify listeners. We never forget about you. And please leave a rating and review. You can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And again, on social media, we are at atelitepod, at, Elite Pod, at social Suplex. At SZoomer4, which is myself, and at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And as you can hear, my dog it possibly through my microphone. I don't know if you can or not, but she is going fucking mental. As my dog is going mental, there's nothing else for me to do but to let my good friend Floyd finish us off and take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. Thank you guys for listening. Floyd, take us home. Today I'm going to leave us with three things. Be nice
1: to each other. Wear your mask and social distance. And whether it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.